So why don't we kick things off and you can just tell us your story, kind of where you're at now in your career, where you were five years ago, kind of like what led you to where you're at now. Yeah, so I think my story is maybe atypically typical of people that work in marketing and that like I didn't go to school for it. I don't have an MBA. Uh, I actually went to school to be a teacher because we let 18 year olds decide what they want to do with their lives. And at 18, I was like, I want to be a high school in high school forever. Uh, which was awful in retrospect, but like, I didn't know what to do. Like, why, why do, why did people trust me with that decision? They didn't trust me with anything else, but they're like, you can take on a ton of debt, a ton of and student like, loans. <laughs> yeah, take on these <laughs> unforgivable student loans, uh, and just go, you know, invest a ton of money and become a social studies teacher. Um, but I did that for 10 years. I was just on a, on a call with somebody else earlier today and, they were like, you know, I get anxious being up in front of people. And I'm like, well, I, I, that was just like beaten out of me by 14 year olds for like 10 years, because like you show up unprepared, uh, in a room of 30, 14 year olds, like they're going to eat you. Mm. You'll die. Toughest audience. Yeah. Yeah. The word, like they don't care. And yeah, you got to show up and be the show every day. And I was really lucky. I taught psychology and sociology, which was kind of my start in like understanding and caring about people. It was also a lot of fun. Just it, essentially also you're doing the same lesson. At least I was all day. Right. So I was like a stand up comedian. Like you test mm. the material first period you do this. I, one time I had a kid like get a schedule change that was in my first period class. They got a schedule change midday. They come back for the last period class and they're like, do it, do your story, do the joke. And I'm like, <laughs> do the they bet. were pumped about it. Yeah. But you, I got all those reps in and then I had started building things on the side, a little website, affiliate website and a little this and a little that and all these different things, a little e-commerce website. And I started my own marketing agency and my friend was like, why don't you just quit teaching, quit pretending you care about lesson plans and curriculum maps, go work in an agency. And I had never thought about it because I didn't come up in like digital marketing. I came up in what I call online marketing, which is a lot of the like a lot of people that write make those ads that you see at the beginning of YouTube videos, a lot mm-hmm. of like Ty Lopez kind of characters oh, yeah. selling courses about courses. Uh-huh. Um, and like I came up in that world. So they sell you the dream of like, hate your job, quit your job. And I was like, I do hate my job. I do need to quit. And my friend was like, just work in an agency. I worked at two different agencies. Uh, I went in-house at Active Campaign, really learned the ins and outs of selling and marketing software. Uh, and now after all of that experience and all of those years since teaching, uh, I'm on my own and I run a small consultancy, consultancy agency called Growth Sprints. And so it seems like there's two major pivots in your life. There's the one going from teacher into being a marketer at an agency and at Active Campaign, And then there was also the big pivot of then going completely on your own. What, was the thought process similar between those two? Like, were you asking the same questions or were, were you asking, was it, was it a little bit different in each case? Uh, I think both were like steps into freedom, right? So aligning my life, leaving teaching and aligning my life, not having this double life anymore. Where I was getting up. I got up at 3 a.m. for years, uh, not because like Jocko Willink or whoever made it cool or something. Like I was just doing this and this was like, uh, like 2010 maybe. Mm. Uh, for years, I was getting up at 3am because I was just fired up to build my thing and staying up late and not sleeping a lot things you can do in your 20s. Yeah. Uh, and like, the other thing is just like, I really underestimated how much being able to focus mattered. Like I only have to think about one thing right now. And like leaving active campaign, 
for me at least, it was a better financial decision as well, which makes it really easy. I have four kids. Mm. Um, and I have to make a smart financial decision for them. And it just didn't make sense to continue putting 50% of my time towards something that only brought in 15 to 20% of my revenue. Mm. And it was like, all right, cool. Like, I'm not going to take a revenue hit leaving active campaign. This is going to grow really quickly. And as predicted, it has. Um, so it, it wasn't really, I'm very risk averse. Like they were both really safe, smart decisions as much as people try to characterize it as like, Oh, you took the leap. And I'm like, Oh yeah. no, there was no leaping. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think that, uh, so I follow, um, Brooklyn Nash as well, which I'm sure yep. you're familiar with. And I think he said the same thing when he left, um, sales hacker to go, he's now building his own thing. And I think he mentioned, like he shared like some of the revenue numbers that he's like looking at for the rest of the year. And it's, it's huge. It's a, it's, it looks like it's going to be not super risky in terms of like a financial move. Obviously it's risky in terms of changing, you know, your career and all that kind of stuff. But, um, the finance piece doesn't seem like was a big, um, factor in the decision. Um, the one thing that I wanted to touch on with you was specifically your agency. When you started to build it, obviously it took, I mean, it must've taken what years of like, kind of like tinkering with it, uh, to get it to a place where it could financially compensate or more than compensate your full-time role at Active Campaign. Yeah, I will. So I didn't start building it until I left my previous agency. It always felt like it was in okay. conflict, right? So the end of 2020, I left a really horrifically toxic, bad, and we don't have to go down that road, but it was mm -hmm. a nightmare. Like I was having, I had like a three day long migraine and like one of my eyes basically stopped working. Like it was that level. Of, I'd never understood that. Like I, I knew that your body could manifest stress, but I'd never had my body just like quit on me like yeah. that. Like I'd always been really athletic, um, competed a lot in Brazilian jiu-jitsu and things like that. And always did CrossFit. And then like to have my body just be like, we're out, you need to shut it down. Um, or we're going to shut down. Nope. That was really scary. <laughs> yeah. So leaving that at the end of 2020 and then heading like really starting to build it then on the side while at active campaign, active campaign was an intention, intentional decision. I didn't go into a leadership position. I had just been at two agencies, one where I led a team of five people, one where I led a team of 25 people. And then I could have gone into leadership. I could have looked for a head of SEO position, market, early marketing, whatever. I could have looked for a lot of responsibility. And I intentionally took a position that was less responsibility just as like a individual contributor. I did the same thing in teaching. Actually, I was an assistant principal for two years, left principal, went back to being a teacher for two years just to get enough headspace to get escape velocity. Did the same thing with active campaign, did great work there. Um, but that was like a big part of the decision-making process was, all right, I'm going to take a position where I can actually get that sort of speed to get up and out. Building it on the side was just, uh, you asked like kind of what that process was. Like it, there were some strategic decisions that I made, but really it was following a blueprint. I was really fortunate early on in my uh, SEO and marketing and agency kind of career to meet a guy named Ryan Stewart. And he'd kind of put together a program about how to productize your services, how to do offer design and positioning. It's a huge mistake a lot of people make. They just do whatever type of services they provide. They just do it for everybody. Mm. And being able to understand your positioning, what offer resonates with them, and then how to productize that offer was a game changer for me. Mm. 
So figuring those out early was, I think, a big driver of success for growth sprints. Hearing on those early sales calls, like, yeah, we'd like talk to a lot of people, but you're like the person that does what we need for people like us. Mm-hmm. And I was hearing that like more and more and more. And I was like, all right, cool. This definitely resonates. So in the very beginning, maybe like, we're, so you weren't like SaaS specific, 10 million to a hundred million, maybe in the very beginning instead yeah, you let's, down and like, and, and you dug into that. Let's give people the context. So yeah. uh, originally I had a thing when I I'm, I'm a big believer in just putting together a prolific body of work. And when I was coming into SEO in like maybe 2016, I, w- I started a project called uh, 100 Days of SEO, where for 100 week, like 100 weekdays, essentially 20 weeks, every day I put out a YouTube video, a podcast episode, and a blog post. Hold on. You had, um, and you had four kids during, oh, this is five years ago, um, six years ago. So I had two kids wow. in 2016. Um, that's, that's, it was still a prolific amount of work, right? It's hard to ignore that much work coming out of somebody, right? Mm -hmm. Daily emails to my list, like the whole nine yards, it was untenable. I would don't, I I recommend it to everybody, but don't do three channels and three different types of, uh, media, right? Mm -hmm. Like pick blog, pick podcast, pick YouTube. Um, as much as everybody's like, tells you like, oh, you need to be everywhere in content distribution, just chill out do what's sustainable. <laughs> I'm, I'm um, 100% slight side tangent. Yeah, That's yeah. why I'm only do. So I did a course for competitive Intel, like a few months ago. And I, I had the idea for this podcast around the same time. And I got super pumped for it. I did. I purposefully chose not to do it. Cause I was like, I know I'm going to burn myself out. I'll just do the podcast after that. And I'll just interview people. And then when I'm done interviewing like 20 people, then I'll work on like promoting and all that kind of stuff. So it's like just mm-hmm. one kind of thing at a time, because I know that about myself, like I will get burnt out. Sorry, continue. Yeah, no, that's a really good. So that's, that's where I like matured into. I very much uh, have a mindset of like, imagine like I'm a race car, but like in my race car, there is not only no brake pedal doesn't exist. There's no slowing down. Uh, And I have a inherent fear of letting up on the gas. I feel like if I just let up on the gas a little bit, uh, I'll slow down and I'll die. And I've started working with a coach recently. And we've started uh, really talking about this, uh, maybe like mantra or whatever of like going 5% slower to go 500% further. And that's really changed my outlook on it because I very much will burn myself out as well. Um, but I that 100 days of SEO became a thing called SEO for the rest of us, where I really just wanted to use all everything I knew from my 10 years of teaching, breaking down SEO for people who had felt alienated by it or othered or just felt like it was overwhelming because you it's the worst thing to learn like, by its nature learning SEO is almost impossible by googling stuff because it's just it's just a snake eating its own tail type of the research results of like yeah. learning anything around SEO are really bad okay um and I was like all right cool well, I'm gonna skip all that I'm just gonna make the best thing I'm gonna really teach this in a way people can understand it's been wonderful uh the courses and stuff inside SEO for the rest of us we've got over a thousand customers made over a hundred thousand dollars that's wonderful I'm really proud of that um but SEO for the rest of us as a consultancy who's that for the rest of us like it's I didn't have a defined offer I didn't have defined positioning and I actually did a breakdown of like all the clients I had ever worked with mm-hmm. and the ones I really enjoyed broke them out by industry and when I looked at it 
there was really three main groups that I could focus on. One was authority blogs, like people with tons of traffic, um, service companies, like uh, whether it's other SEO agencies, design agencies, um, whatever, CPA firms, that type of thing, or SaaS and software companies. And I really looked at like, who can I get outsized results for? Who have I out historically gotten outsized results for? Who do I like working with the most? What's the most interesting work? And SaaS and software companies were the focus. The headline on the Growth Sprints website, growthsprints.co, if anybody wants to look at it, at the time we're recording this, it says we help take SaaS companies from 10 million to 100 million ARR. I'm not an idiot. I know that I'm not going to by myself help a full software company go from 10 million ARR to 100 million. Mm. But that is who I work best with for a lot, like whether it's a resourcing issue or a maturity and understanding of content marketing and SEO within the organization. Those There's a bullet list of characteristics that make that stage kind of, there's some people that are like below 10 million ARR that's like, this is still a great fit. Love working with them. But like that tends to be why that like type of positioning, but that's like where, why, and kind of where the focus is now. Okay. Yeah. I, I absolutely love that. That's uh that's like exactly what you kind of preach in order to find your right audience, the people that are going to actually um, be interested in your services and that you're going to actually enjoy working with. Um, and they'll do it. And the, like, yeah, money is great. I love money. Right. It's wonderful. I, do I, I do don't, too. I come from such a like weird background with all these hangups and scarcity mindset and didn't have money growing up. And like, so all of these like issues. Right. Mm -hmm. But, uh, so I love, I love money. Um, and I'm not ashamed about that because it allows me to do really great things in the world and put money and things towards stuff I care about. However, um, being able to have clients that do the thing that they've paid you to help them with, Mm. is way more rewarding than that. I can't tell you the number of early clients. Like when I look at all those clients that I charge like 500 bucks, a thousand, $2,000 to, none of them did the work. None mm. of them did the thing that we had worked. We'd work on a content strategy. They wouldn't do it. I'd give them all this SEO stuff. And like, if I didn't go in and do it on their website, it would never get done. And I kind of like broke my little marketer heart. Yeah. That like all my stuff was just sitting and dying in somebody's Google drive. So do you think that... It because you mentioned the price of those. Do you think that like the lower cost, like was the reason behind that? Like they didn't see like the weight behind like the work that you were doing or they didn't take it as seriously or, or what are your thoughts there? A lot of them were like solo business owners or small business owners back then. And okay. they just didn't have the resources at the time they're running. I, I say this with the utmost respect, like they had more pressing issues mm. than marketing. Right. Um. So working with companies that are more like marketing mature um, means they'll actually do the thing. Um. And that's like, I, I know that sounds silly, but I'm, I don't current, like I'm in a very fortunate position now where I don't have a shortage of clients that want to work with me. So I want to work with the clients that want to do the thing that we've talked about doing. And I think mm -hmm. that's like the, the best part. Cause the other thing is too, like when you are a consultancy or an agency, whoever your point of contact is within that company, like that's their career on the line. Mm -hmm. Your success is their success long-term. Like that goes on their resume. So I want to work with people that, you know, I'm able to help and support that way versus like it not going anywhere. So one thing that I, I also wanted to touch on was that obviously, you know, with your target audience being SaaS businesses, there's, there's no shortage of SaaS businesses right now. There's tons and they go <laughs> yeah. through, you know, we see the, um, 
oh geez, it's like the Martech 5000. It's nearly it just 10, keeps getting more point. blurry every exactly. year. It's so every, much. It's ridiculous. And I love it so much because that means that, you know, there's more, um, you know, it makes my specific profession more relevant with competitive Intel. But the one thing that I wanted to talk with you about is, um, they're being, it's, it's very similar with marketing and SEO agencies. There's a lot of agencies out there of like one person to five or like smaller kind of agencies um, that do very similar things. And so I wanted to, I have a few thoughts on how I'm, I'm sure you've been able to stand out and be so successful, but I'm curious uh, what, from your perspective, what are some ways that you've been able to stand out? So that's a really good question. Um, I think first of all, like having a voice and having something to say, like having an opinion, a lot of these places that claim they do things have no opinion. They're very vanilla, very plain. Like there's nothing going on there. Um, I've seen, I've watched the rise with with nothing but uh, praise and admiration. Like watch the rise of uh, Chris Walker and Refine Labs mm -hmm. as an agency, and he gets it. Like he gets it through and through. Most of, and I say this with respect. Most of the people I talk to have no idea what Refine Labs does. They love him. And they're like, he's the smartest person ever and all this stuff. I'm like, what is his, like, they they can tell you all about the problems he talks about and all this stuff. I'm like, what does he, what does his agency do though? And they're like, no clue. No. <laughs> right. And that's not a knock on him. It's because he's not focused on selling like his solution. He's mm -hmm. focused on true demand gen, which is what his solution does. Like, it's a cool thing. Anyways, like that sort of stuff I'm fascinated by. And he has created, he has found a need and has created an offer over time, developed this offer that meets that. And that's a lot of where I come from too, is like, what is the actual offer that is going to help people? So when I was at my last agency job before active campaign, we were like, a, again, a very vanilla, like we do B2B, uh, whatever, B2B SEO and PPC. And it was like, look, like if you look at all of our logos, uh, with the exception of Allstate Insurance, which was like a cool logo to have, and we're a great client to work with. Um, but like, if you look at all these, it's SaaS and software companies, Let's just say we are for SaaS and software. And we're like, well, we don't know. Like we might not get other business, all this other stuff. Switched it to SaaS and software business took off, right? Huge like uptick in leads because we were the, we had the right positioning, right? We were for somebody. Mm -hmm. Then I was like, look, our offers, like we do like a link audit and a content audit and a technical audit. And it's just audits. And it's very just like dull. And like, I could just clients hate, like my team hated presenting it. My clients hated receiving it. And I was like, everybody's using chatbots on their website. All these SaaS and software companies all have Drift. Why don't we help them with that? Brought that training into the team, right? And now like that I work uh, on growth sprints, like that sort of idea and all those different things that were like my IP, I brought into what I do, right? Like I don't do standard SEO. I do, my offer doesn't even make sense compared to SEO agencies. They're all about six to 12 month retainers. Spoiler, that's not how long it takes SEO to work ever. Mm -hmm. um, all my agreements are two to three months max, right? I have separate sprints. I call them sprints, right? The name growth sprints, right? I do one around digital PR, one around very like standard content led SEO, one around conversational marketing, I'm getting asked more and more about social selling. Like, how do you build an audience on LinkedIn? How can you help our CEO figure out what to post on LinkedIn and drive more business for the company, drive a better like hiring brand? I have a lot of thoughts on that. I've started helping clients on that. And then like revenue focused content where I just throw the SEO tools out the window and talk to the people who talk to customers. That offer has made all the difference. And I've seen it. 
it's a compliment to me. I've seen my offer creep into other agencies now where they're starting to like offer these same things and even offer sprints, um, which I think is really interesting and it's fine, right? It's uh, yeah. healthy competition, we'll call there it. There you go. Yeah, um, yeah. But like I, that offers really, I think what's helped me stand out as well as the fact that I am loud and I have opinions and I like copywriting and I like building an audience around what I do. Right. Yeah. And I mean, you've been building content for, so since 2016, is that really like when you say that you like had your start and you were like really publishing regularly? Yeah. I think some people maybe like knew about me before that. Maybe I'd been talking a little bit, but I was like doing SEO for wedding photographers Oh, okay. for, you know, like before that, like it was very like, but it, it was still like the same. Like I know, I knew I needed to be for somebody exactly mm -hmm. and like so i was building an audience of wedding photographers and like figuring that out and like that's always been a part of it right okay so to summarize that right so um having opinions not being afraid to share your opinions publishing content like around the thing that you are specializing in regularly to get your voice out there and niching down on your positioning you know really narrowing in on a specific group of of companies. So in your case, it was SaaS businesses that are between 10 and hundred million ARR and specifying on your offering. You're not just doing like audits. You're doing very specific things that you know that they're actually going to, going to find value in that, that, that you're speaking their language essentially with your messaging. Yeah. And like what moves the needle for them? Like I knew them well and people are like, well, why do you do this? Like break down that, break down your offer for me. Cause I also do coaching for other SEO agencies and they like try to deconstruct what I do. And I'm like, it's not a, like you can't steal this because you haven't worked with the companies I've worked with. You, you can't get on a sales call and sell this stuff because you don't know it. So mm -hmm. I could tell you all the things, but when they ask questions, you're not going to have an answer. When they ask for examples, like I'm big on showing and not telling. So they, in the sales process, they ask me questions about stuff. I'm like, can I just show you an example of this? <laughs> yeah. And everybody loves that. Right. Like it's, and I prefer it. Um, so like, you can't steal it. You can't like just kind of copy it without having that experience to back it up. Like you work with enough good CMOs and VPs and directors at these companies, they can smell that and good for them. Like they can smell that from a mile away if you don't know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a big part of it too. Nice. Okay. Last question, then we'll wrap up. So I, I obviously, so the, the way that I know you is through the community that you built all in. And for those that don't know, number one, I'm, I'm a little bit even scared to mention it because I don't want more people to join. I like, I like, it's at like the perfect amount of people. It's like that. at like 500. Um, yeah. Cause you know, like, I mean, I'm sure you're aware of this. Like you, like the, I feel like communities, it's like once you get to like this like sweet spot of between like 500 and I don't know if it's like 750 or a thousand that starts to get a little noisy, a little bit unorganized. Um, but in either case, I do want to like at the very least shout you out. Uh, it's full of really great advice and engagement. Um, but community is a really like hot topic, I think, especially now. Like it's just really like I, I see so many posts about community and the value of it. So I, I want to ask you a couple of questions. So number one, what are some lessons that you've learned as you've grown the all-in community? And number two, do you have any future plans with it? Or is it just like you really, truly just wanted a community of like-minded marketers just to kind of bounce ideas off? Yeah, so two different things. Um, number one, and I'll try to be really concise with this because I have a lot of thoughts. It's something, again, like the more work you do, the more people are like, hey, we're we're building a community at our company. Can you consult mm -hmm. on that? And I'm like, yes. Like, I love this stuff. I literally cannot shut up about these things. 
So um, you get like cool opportunities just by making stuff. I would encourage anybody listening to this. If you're not like, if you want to do consulting on the side or you want to like build any of your own stuff, like just go, there's nobody don't wait for anybody's permission. Or even if someone's um, doing something similar, like it's not a bit like there have been times uh, I actually just got off of a call earlier. Someone said like, oh, I want to make like a podcast about competitive Intel, but like, I know that you're already doing it. And I was like, do it. Like there's like, there's you, like anybody can do anything. It's so much fun. And you'll figure out something that like is going to work for you. And if it's not this, then it might be the next thing you think about. Like Please That's the other part too, right? It all over, there's like a really cool overlap with the next thing and the next thing and the next thing where it's not, it's not a zero sum game, right? Like you're going to build, I, man, if we had, uh, if we had three more hours, I would list out all the terrible projects I've launched that haven't gone anywhere and stuff. Like all the ideas that failed and the posts and every, like there's so much iterating along the way and you learn from it just kind of naturally. But I think the thing with community is a lot of times right now, people are trying to build community and they're using the word community and audience as synonyms. And they are very, very different. I've watched, I just watched the community get launched and it's just, a, it's the community manager talking to themselves right now. And there's nothing wrong with that um, because that's how they start. What you don't see in community is all of the back end work, right? All of the DMs, all the connecting, right? You see a great party. Oh, there's a lot of people at that party, but nobody's talking. What's going on? This feels kind of dull. How do we make this party more interesting? Because in audience, audiences, I talk to you, right? Or we talk to each other. Community is they talk to each other and I don't even need to be there anymore. My job is I think about it like a call it like the dinner party strategy, right? or the pizza party strategy or something more fun than that. But like your job is just to walk up to people and be like, oh, you're into this? They're into that. You two should talk. And then you just fade, Homer Simpson fade into the bushes, <laughs> right? And then go connect other people and connect other people. And then eventually they're like, why would I ever leave this community? All my best friends are here. Mm -hmm. or this, is where, this is where the homies hang out and talk. And what's cool is mine's in Slack and it's quiet, right? Like there's not a lot going on. There's not a lot of noise. There's also not a lot of people that bop in, ask a question and then disappear forever. And that's because I'm ruthless with that stuff. If you come in and you ask a question and I search your name in Slack. This is exactly my workflow. So somebody doing this can tactically steal it. Mm. I look, I search in Slack. Has this person said anything recently? And if they haven't said anything in the last 30 days, I delete their question. I delete their promotional post. Ooh. And I'm like, look, like yeah. love your question. This is awesome. We tend, and it's a very soft DM of just like, hey, we love to, when you joined, one of the things I mentioned in the original email, when you clicked the link to come into Slack was we look for a 10 to one ratio of like giving to asking. So I'd love to have you here. You have a lot of great thoughts. That was a great question to ask, but have to hold firm that you're engaging with other people and providing that value. And most of those people never, they're like, yeah, no, yeah, no, totally get it. Yeah. yeah. And they never come back. Right. Um, but that's fine because I just, I don't want to be another one of those. I, I start so much of what I start is very much a, for the rest of us. When I went in house, I, I went, I joined a bunch of communities and I was like, these suck. We can do it. We can, this can be better. So I started learning about it and stuff like that. But that's, that's the biggest thing learning that I've had is it's all the behind the scenes stuff that like nobody talks about. And it's not the same as audience mm. um, really quickly in terms of the future. Um, I don't know. I've been like vertically aligning everything. I think I've built what a, you would call in like the creator economy, a strip mall business where I have all these little separate products and entities, right? I have all in and SEO for the rest of us and growth sprints. And it's they're, they're sitting next to each other. And what I want to build is a skyscraper business 
where everything connects, everybody pushes to everything pushes to one thing, mm -hmm. um, which is growth sprints. So I don't know. I have some really cool ideas uh, right now. I just like being, like I said, one of the homies in LinkedIn yeah. or in LinkedIn, in all in and mm -hmm. hanging out with people. That's that's the benefit that I get out of it. It's where I DM my friends. Love it. Yeah, I'm sure you'll figure it out down the road. I know that you're you're no everywhere. Pressure, you though. got a lot of you got a lot of things going on. But listen, Brendan, that I got a ton of really great insights from this conversation. So where where can um, folks find you if they're interested in learning more about you or growth sprints? Yeah, you can just Google growth sprints. Um, the website will come up. Uh, and then also on LinkedIn, if you look up Brendan Hufford, uh, or you can even just like, sometimes my name is hard to spell, but it is very unique. So you can just Google Brendan Hufford, LinkedIn, or just Brendan Hufford and find me there. Um, but LinkedIn is where I share my best stuff right now, every single day. So if you want to learn uh, or anything was interesting, definitely connect with me there. Awesome. Brendan, really appreciate it. Like I said, again, hope you have a great rest of your day. And thanks again for jumping on the podcast. Thanks so much, Andy. This was awesome.